Welcome to Dollars and Cents, creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito from Private Vista. In this podcast, we draw from years of experience as well as guest specialists to help you create the life you imagine. Join us in this journey as we enlighten and empower you to align your lifestyle to help you achieve your goals with a clear picture of your future. Now, let's get to the show. Hello, and welcome to Dollars and Cents with your host, Nicole Romito. Nicole, what's going on? Hey, Eric. I'm doing great today. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. I'm, I was flabbergasted earlier. I like that word. Uh, but now I'm doing fantastic. So what's going on in your world? Um, you know, same old, same old, just, uh, getting ready for, uh, for grilling season here mm. in Chicago, looking forward to that for, you know, the whole two months that we'll have the opportunity <laughs> to do that. <laughs> well, make the most of it. I, I know that you, you and your guests have been talking about, uh, all the different barbecues that you're going to attend and, and all the parties, cause you guys actually have friends. So I'm a little jealous. <laughs> but. Like well, I always say, anytime you're uh, in our neighborhood, we're happy to host you. you have an I open would drive invite. the 11 hours for that. I would absolutely do that. Cause, all right. You know, I'm going to hold you to that. Okay, deal. So what are you guys talking about? Who, first of all, who'd you bring on the show today? Let's talk about that. Exactly. And then what are you talking about? Yes. Well, I'm super excited. You know, I always get very excited when I have one of my amazing colleagues in studio with me. So joining me today is Carrie Mangan. Hi, Carrie. Welcome. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you joining us. Um, and what we're going to talk about today is we're going to discuss some tips for young adults as they are just getting their footing after college and their um, their first uh, job and starting their career. Carrie and I are going to talk about some tips and what they should consider so that they can start out on a strong foundation and put the right foot forward. So when you when you say that, are you talking about like finances and credit or I mean, or everything? Uh, yeah, I think that's a great clarifying question, Eric. We're going to focus on the financial realm of things. I mean, you're right. There are certainly a lot of things to consider, but uh, given our limited time and what we do, we're going to focus on the financial end of things. I figured I just, I thought I'd ask that question. <laughs> it's All right, fair. Well, fair I'm enough. Excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to get our take on this. So, Carrie, thank you for being on the show. I'm just going to shut up now and let Nicole do this thing and uh, learn a ton. All right, great. That always is our goal. So before we jump into the topic at hand, I'd like to let our listeners know a little bit about Carrie's background. She joined Private Vista in October of 21. She worked at a similar financial planning firm in the Chicagoland area before she joined our team. And prior to beginning her career in financial services, Carrie participated in the Teach for America program and was an English teacher in Gary, Indiana and Philadelphia. Her love to share her knowledge and educate people transfers so well to our industry. Um, and the last thing I just want to note about her professionally is she recently uh, earned her master's in finance at the University of Notre Dame. So I think Carrie is the perfect guest to talk about this topic, because one thing that will come through loud and clear is she loves to teach people and do it from a place of making them feel really good about themselves and coming away feeling empowered. Uh, Carrie, before we start talking about the topic, will you share a little bit about what you what you like to do personally when you're not helping educate people? 
Of course. Um, I would say that my fiance and I have a dog, Tito, and we're pretty obsessed with him. I would say that he's adorable. Taking him to dog parks and, um, you know, just around this city would be one of our, our favorite things. And then on top of that, I actually somehow this year ended up in three different book clubs. So I'm an avid reader. I read um, pretty much everything and really enjoy that. I agree. And I can tell you for our listeners, I follow follow Carrie on Goodreads. And I am like, I don't think this woman sleeps because every morning she's finished reading like three more books. So you are one of my life goals is to help <laughs> to try to read more. So thank you well, for thank helping. You. I, I do love reading. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Well, perfect. Well, now that we know, now that our listeners know a little bit about you, let's go ahead and, um, you know, why don't we start off with for our listeners, you know, you've completed college, you've got your first uh, real job, if you will. I know a lot of people work during college and most have done internships. Um, but what are some of the things that you want to guide our listeners on as they, uh, from the financial perspective? Definitely. I think that it is a really confusing time right out of school in your early 20s, your first job or your first couple of jobs. And there's just a lot of financial terminology that you might not have necessarily heard before or had a lot of exposure to. So I think that that can be pretty confusing. And I would love for this episode to be a good resource for people to kind of just get a deeper understanding of what they need to do to build good, healthy financial habits. I think that while your 20s, you know, you're probably not going to become a billionaire, but it's possible, (laughs) but it is possible. (laughs) And um, it's just a time where building financial habits that are good for you are really going to set you up for long-term success. So getting in that routine early on is important. I agree. And I know one thing that you and I um, pretty say pretty regularly to our clients, really regardless of their age or the life um, stage they're in, is when it comes to investing or working on your financial plan, time is your friend. Um, and that's why we want to share some ideas and tips today, because the sooner you do start either building good habits or saving or thinking about your goals and how to prioritize, just the sooner you start doing that, nine times out of 10, the more likelihood you are to be able to achieve success. Totally. And I think building that confidence early on is really important too. I think that the longer you wait, the scarier it might feel to start investing or to, you know, make big financial decisions. So the earlier that you start, the less intimidating it feels and the more comfortable you feel making these decisions from an empowered perspective. Yeah, I I could not agree more. So with that, and I know the other thing that you mentioned that we, um, we hear regularly is our industry is just filled with the alphabet soup of jargon. I mean, even if we look around our offices and all the initials behind all of um, our names and our colleagues' names, it's a regular alphabet soup. Um, so why don't we maybe start off with maybe one acronym, but I think many people are familiar with it, but why don't we jump off and into the world of 401ks? Perfect. I think we definitely, that's a great place to start. I remember um, on my one of my very first days of work ever, 
I had to fill out paperwork to say how much I wanted to contribute to my 401k. Okay. And I was sitting with maybe five or six other 22 year olds that had no idea what they were doing. And we all texted our parents oh. and the parent that responded first to our question of how much should I contribute? That's how much all of us did. Oh my gosh. Which was, is... I hope it was your dad. He, <laughs> he's also in our industry. So, you know, I don't even remember who it was, but I just remember that that is how we made that decision. And it well, I hope was the not parent, from an I hope the parents said maximum, but <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, I think that that's a really great place to start because it's a important decision that you make. So the way that this works is if your company matches a certain percentage of your contributions, you really want to make sure that you're setting your contribution level to maximize that benefit. And I think that that's the first thing that can be confusing for people when they're determining how much. So terms can really vary among different employers, but most programs will match between three to 6% of an employee's salary. And there are federal limits on how much you can contribute to. So for the 2023 year, that's $22,500 if you're under 50. Uh, and that those numbers are just important to know so that you can take a look at your employer's offerings and see what they match and make sure that you're contributing at the very least to get that full amount of really free money from them. Right. So, and I know some employer plans may even do like a match or a contribution, even if you're not participating. Um, but to the point, I know oftentimes when we're talking with clients, the 401k contribution is a great way to kind of put your savings on autopilot because it will be taken out of your paycheck um, before your direct deposit hits your bank account. So I know you and I often say, you know, if you don't have it, you won't miss it. And the other key thing is it's taken out before income taxes are calculated. So just remember to our listeners out there, even if you're doing the, you're able to do the full 22,500 this year, it's truly not costing you that much, that amount, because your current tax bill will go down as well. Definitely. I think that's a really good distinction. And I know that people have also asked about Roth 401ks. So I want to distinguish that too, that a Roth 401k is a retirement account with your employer. That is the opposite of what Nicole just said, where that money that you contribute is taxed. And the difference with that is that when you use the money in retirement, it comes out tax-free. So when you're starting right out of school, that probably feels really far away and not important, but it can be a really big uh, help when you're in retirement later on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you maybe want to expand on that a little bit? I know most people might say, hey, Carrie, I, can you help me diversify? Or I know what I think I know what you mean about diversification, but you bring up an excellent point about pre-tax after tax or post tax and then taxable. Um, do you maybe just want to talk a little bit about why that might be important down the road? Yeah. So when you're in retirement, people are really looking for um, which bucket, so to say, they should be taking their money out of. So there are retirement accounts, there are taxable accounts, and then there are Roth accounts that are retirement accounts that are tax-free. 
So having different buckets of money that you can pull from in retirement can be a tool that really helps you manage your tax bill during those years. And there are a lot of different strategies that retired people can use um, when they have a, a lot of different types of accounts. If you just have one type of account, then you're kind of stuck with whatever the tax ramifications are for that account, which is why starting out at a young age and using a Roth, whether that's a 401k or an IRA can provide a lot of leverage later on. That's great. That is, that's great. And that makes total sense. And, and I agree, even though if you're in your twenties, uh, retirement may seem a long way down the road, but we both know it'll be here before you know it. Um, and that's why, again, if you set yourself up out of the gate with some of these, you know, foundational concepts, um, it's just going to be that much easier when you get there. Definitely. Um, when you were talking about, um, the match, um, is that what happens, you know, a lot of people change employers or they may work for someone else for a while and then decide they're going to start their own company. Um, they might need to leave the workforce for points in time. How does that work? Um, first of all, well, both with the money you've put in, which are called salary deferrals, but then also with the employer, uh, made contributions through the match that you earlier talked about. Definitely. I think this is a detail that's really easy to overlook if you're not aware of it. And I think in today's environment, younger people are switching jobs maybe more than they have historically. Sure. And this is something to be aware of when you do switch jobs. So the contributions that you make to your 401k, those are always owned by you. That's your money. You deferred it from your salary. You own those contributions. The contributions that you make to your 401k, those are always owned by you. Those are deferrals from your salary. It's your money, even if you choose to leave your company. But the contributions that are made by the employer, those vest over time. Investing is a word that refers to how much ownership you have over those contributions. So uh, each company kind of does this differently. Sometimes, you know, after you've been there for a couple of years, they all vest at once. Sometimes they vest in percentages over time. Um, but that's just something that's really important to know how much of your 401k is your money versus what is unvested. Because if you do make a decision to leave a job um, and you haven't been there for a very long time, you probably will be leaving some of your 401k balance on the table with your previous employer if you leave too soon. So that can be a factor when people decide if they should leave their current job for a different offer or not. Okay. And I do believe, I know, as you've mentioned, uh, every company's plan is different. And then certainly the plan administrator might have like different websites or how they show information on statements. But generally speaking, whether um, you look at your statement or you log into your portal to access your 401k, um, it's pretty common that they'll break out the different balances. So if you're doing maybe some pre-tax and post-tax or Roth, and then it'll also show what is your vested balance versus unvested. Um, so just to add that onto what Carrie said, if you are considering 
leaving your job, you can log on to your portal or look at your statement to be able to quantify what that um, financial impact could be to you. Definitely. And I would say too, that um, as people get, as negotiating becomes more of a commonplace thing, that is a term that you could negotiate with if you're moving to a new job. Yes, absolutely. We do see that where, you know, you'll leave, you won't, you're the employer you're leaving won't change the rules for you, but you could certainly tell your new employer, hey, this is what I'm leaving on the table. And then they might uh, be able to work it into your compensation. Definitely. That's a great point. Well, good. Well, why don't we, before we um, finish up on the 401k front, one of the common investment options um, that's pretty common in all plans now, but is particular could be particularly applicable to um, the group of people that our podcast is targeting today. So can you tell us a little bit about like target date funds or sometimes they're called lifestyle funds? Definitely. So a target date fund is a mutual fund where the level of risk is adjusted over time as you get closer to retirement. So a main concept in investing is that the level of return that you get is always tied to the level of risk that you're willing to take. For example, if you are in your 20s or a recent college graduate, your retirement is probably 30, 35 years away. So you can take on a lot more risk in your retirement account than someone who's looking to retire in the next five years. What a target date fund does is it adjusts your allocation over time so that when you're closer to retirement, your investments are taking on less risk and they're appropriate for your situation. This is also a pretty good solution because it is usually has a pretty low expense ratio. So it's not an expensive investment to have in your 401k. And that way you don't have to go in each year and rebalance or figure out if you're invested in a way that is still appropriate for you. Yes. And I like it too, especially if you're just getting started out, you know, you're starting from zero. So you'll have Mm -hmm. a smaller balance, but it also allows you to be um, appropriately diversified from day one. Definitely. And I've seen too that a lot of employers now automatically put employee contributions in these types of funds. So you might be invested in one without even knowing it. Right. And the other thing too we see is it does help you um, remove the emotion from your investment decision. So whether we're in markets that are doing really well, we're in a strong bull market, Or um, if we're in markets that aren't doing well and we're in a bad bear market, by having this um, professional management team picking what asset classes and to what degree, um, it should help you stay the course better too. And you don't kind of see the impact of what asset classes aren't particularly performing well at the time. Definitely. That's a good point. They are really diversified funds. So you're reducing the risk of just being invested in one asset class, which is important. Yes. Agreed. Hey, pardon the interruption. I know you are listening to Dollars and Cents, creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito, and we're happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to myprivatevista.com or the show notes to find out how to reach us. We'd love to hear from you. Why don't we then, since we talked a little bit about investing, we talked about target date funds or lifestyle life cycle funds. Did you want to add anything else on investing? 
I think the only other kind of rules of thumb that we like to use with investing with young professionals, there are three things that are important to emphasize. The first is your asset allocation. That's the percentage of your equities to fixed income. I think in your 20s, it's a a decade where rules of thumb can really help you build financial habits that are appropriate. So a good rule of thumb for asset allocation is to use the number 120 minus your age to determine what amount should be invested in equities. Uh, So the target date fund will do that for you. But if you have your own IRA and you're choosing how to invest that, that is a good way to determine your asset allocation. The next thing is diversification. A rule of thumb here is to never have more than 4% of your total portfolio in any one stock. So for most investors, the best way to get this is to use a mutual fund. And the target date funds that we mentioned are mutual funds. The last is dollar cost averaging. Uh, And this is a term that refers to investing money over time rather than all at once. So for example, if you have $10,000 to invest, you would put it in at $1,000 each month for 10 months, and that is dollar cost averaging, and it's removing the timing risk. So if you put it on a, in on a really good day or a really bad day, uh, that doesn't really swing your whole portfolio because you're just putting in a little bit over a longer period of time. And uh, by doing the salary deferrals into your 401k, you're already doing this. Yes. And actually it goes, it go, I would say it's counterintuitive where, right, we see everyone loves to buy things on sale except for their investments. So you're absolutely right, especially with your salary deferrals through your 401k, you don't get to pick when that money is invested. Um, it's it's set, it's going in, you know, a couple of times a month or once once a month, depending on the plan. And uh, it's counterintuitive, but if you are buying in while the markets are down, when they eventually do turn around, that's going to be some additional win behind your back. Definitely. And the only other important note I would make on investing is that the important the reason why it's important to invest as young as possible is because of compounding. So compounding is when you're earning interest on interest. Your investments are creating dividends, interest, capital gains, and those are being reinvested into the portfolio. And then you're able to earn more on those additional investments. And the longer that you're able to do this, the faster it kind of picks up speed and the more, you know, financial wellness you have at the end of the day. Yes. Our colleague, Stephanie, likes to call compounding the eighth wonder of the world. So I love that. Yes. And it makes sense. Your money's making money for you, right? They always say, do do it so your money's working for you while you're sleeping. Well, compounding is one way to do that. Exactly. Well, great. Well, let's for the, uh, let's touch a little bit on, um, kind of some cash flow management. I try to avoid the B word and by that, I mean budgeting, but I do feel that it's triggering for a lot of people and causes them just to shut down before you even had a chance to, uh, open the conversation door. 
Um, so we talked about, we started off with kind of longer term money, 401k, that's money down the road. Uh, we're not going to get into it today, but depending on your employer's plan and the rules, there could be ways where in case of an emergency, um, you could access it or if you're changing employers, but we're not going to hit on that today. Um, so that being said, I know we wouldn't want people to put all of their money in their 401k because you and I know life happens. Definitely. So why don't we talk a little bit about how to uh, structure your funds and your cash flow to, to set up for either goals that are more in the near term or the inevitable bumps in the road. Definitely. So something that gets skipped a lot in this realm of life is having an emergency fund. Uh, but in reality, this should be your number one priority when you're organizing your finances. Before you invest any excess income, it is really important to build up your emergency fund. And the rationale behind this is that no one can, you know, predict when bad things are going to happen. And when bad things happen, they tend to have a domino effect. So maintaining an emergency fund can help you kind of have a a safety cushion so that you have time to recover or adapt your lifestyle without panicking if something bad does happen. We recommend keeping six to 12 months of major core expenses. So that includes housing, utilities, food, insurance, transportation, and this cash should be kept in an account that is not invested. It is accessible at any time. And that way you can use it if you have, you know, one of these events that can cause you to need more cash. Yeah. So the idea here is you're not looking for return. Mm -hmm. You're, you are looking for, um, safety. Really. You don't want the value to be able to fluctuate down. Uh, one one of the positives in today's interest rate environment is for the first time in many, many years, you can actually get some nice interest rates on that emergency fund as well. Definitely. Which is, you know, really exciting to be able to have an emergency fund and not feel like you're completely missing out on any return. Yes. Right. I do want to note for our listeners that Carrie did not list Tito in the, uh, emergency fund expenses. No, I did not. But, you know, I I would say that his housing, his utilities, his food, all core expenses from my eyes. All right. Okay. I just wanted to clarify for for all the pet owners out there. So his dog walker will be by in an hour. We can't skip that. Exactly. There you go. We got to keep Tito happy. Yep. Okay. So we've talked about that then. Um, So as you're figuring out. Um, you know, the emergency fund and how much would go in there. One of the things you mentioned is, you know, all of us need to have a roof over our Mm -hmm. head. Um, Depending on where you are, you might, you might be renting, you might be thinking about buying, or you may have already bought your first home. So how does that figure in um, when people are trying to figure out like, I don't know, is it okay if I allocate 50% of my net income to my housing cost? What are some thoughts on that? Definitely. There are some good rules of thumb to help you figure out what you, what would be smart for you in terms of housing. So as a general rule of thumb, housing costs shouldn't exceed 28% of your gross monthly income. So when we say housing costs, we don't mean just rent. We're also talking about utilities. If you own a home, we're talking mortgage payments, property taxes, homeowners insurance, renters insurance, any HOA fees, 
all of that should not exceed 28% of your gross monthly income. And can you just share with our listeners what you mean by gross income? Yeah, definitely. So gross income is what your paycheck is before deductions are taken out of it. So at the very top of your or the very top of your uh, pay stub before you get to what the number is that actually shows up in your bank account, that's your gross monthly income. Perfect. Thank you. Just want to just want to make sure we're explaining our jargon we're using. Totally. And then the other important note here is that if you do have debt, that probably should factor into the way that you evaluate housing. So if you don't have debt, then 28% is a good rule of thumb. If you have debt, we would say that total debt and housing costs together shouldn't exceed 36% of your gross income. So that's another important thing to keep in mind too, especially as younger people tend to have more debt just because that's how the world works. Exactly. Yes. And one comment I'd like to add on too, is looking at the, uh, the rules of thumb that Carrie shared. Mm -hmm. If, if, and when you're looking to buy, um, just note that, you know, the bank or the mortgage loan officer or mortgage broker, they're always going to come from the perspective of this is the maximum you Mm -hmm. qualify for. Um, and not that that's right or wrong, but you do want to make sure, well, that's the maximum, but what other fixed expenses, whether it's debt or we all need to eat, we all need to go to the doctor, things like that. But really understanding if you do go for the maximum, how much is left for all other spending? Yeah, that's a really, really good point because the maximum that you can qualify for in a lot of cases will be more than the figures we just mentioned. Yes, exactly. All right. Great. Well, so we just talked about that. We talked a little bit about the spending side. Um, You know, as you continue to grow in your career, you've saved your emergency fund, you're doing the 401k, maybe you've bought your first home. So you have some equity in there. Um, Why don't you talk a little bit about like, what is for our listeners? What is your net worth? How do I track it? Why do I want to track it? Definitely. So tracking your net worth can be just a really empowering exercise to revisit once a year. So your net worth refers to everything that you own less everything that you might owe someone else. So any debts you have. So in order to make a net worth statement, what you would do is list out everything you own at the top. This includes bank accounts, investment accounts, your 401k, if you have a health savings account, and then any vehicles or real estate. And below that, you want to list all of your debts. So student debt, a mortgage, a balance on a vehicle purchase, anything like that you're listing as a negative value on your balance sheet. And then you're able to sum everything up and see what your net worth is. I will say it is common for people to start out their careers uh, or to buy a home and suddenly have a negative net worth when they didn't before. Right. So if that's you, there's no need to panic. But I do think that it can be really empowering to look at this once a year and see how the number changes, because obviously over time you want this to be going up and Uh, This is something that me and my fiance have done the last couple of years, and it's really helped us to think about why we're saving, what we're saving for, and how we want to strategize for our future financial wellness. And it's just really cool to continually revisit and see things shift over time. 
So I would encourage everyone to do that annually. Yeah, I agree because a lot of what we do is um, intangible. Mm -hmm. um, so I love the idea of putting it down on paper and then you can actually see that by delaying your gratification and planning for something, whether it's you know, maybe you're going to buy your house next year or you're going to get married next year. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about some longer term goals. It is nice to see that you're making progress towards them. Um, and I think a, you're like, wow, look what we did. And we still, you know, enjoyed life along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do think that's another thing where you kind of build momentum and you get excited about trying to do what you can to make that number bigger for your next check-in. Definitely. It's really motivating and helps you think about what is worth it to you to spend money on. And then what are the things that aren't additive to your life that you could maybe cut out? Yes, absolutely. Well, great. Well, Carrie, I, I say this with all my guests, but mm -hmm. I, it's, it's always sincere. I could sit here all day and talk with you. Is there anything else that you wanted to highlight before we wrap up today? The only other thing that I had kind of on my mind is to talk a little bit about how much you should put into savings. Okay, great. So that was the only other thing that it is important to kind of have awareness over how much you're putting into savings versus how much you're spending. A couple, you know, five or six years ago, I made a New Year's resolution, not necessarily even to save more, but to just have awareness over what I was spending and see where I had capacity to save more. Oh, you're a brave woman. <laughs> my goal wasn't to change my behavior, but to have awareness over well, it. Well, that's, so that's the first step, if right? If scares you, awareness is step one. <laughs> <laughs> but as a general rule of thumb, a good goal to have is to be able to save 15% of your salary, not including the employer matching contribution. Okay. So that might mean that you're putting 10% into your 401k and another 5% into an emergency fund while you build that up. But the earlier you're able to save 15%, the better it's going to be for your long-term financial security. And if getting there feels intimidating, one way to do that is every time you get a raise to make sure that you allocate a third of that on additional savings. So bump up your 401k contribution or your emergency fund savings as you gradually get closer and closer to that 15% number. Yeah, that that is a great um, I, idea or tip because again, if you don't have the money mm -hmm. in your checking account or it's not coming in, you really don't miss it. Exactly. I know it yep. sounds trite, but it's true. Yep. I remember even when I was starting off with my first job at the bank and my dad was like, you're doing the 401k. Yep. And then uh, the other thing he recommended is, pick a dollar amount and then just have an automatic transfer exactly. go right from your bank account into either your savings account, or if you're going to do a mutual fund or something like that. So I think not only, um, doing what you said is anytime you get a raise, increase that savings, but make sure, try to set up anything automated because mm -hmm. then you don't need to think about it. Yeah. We call that paying yourself first where Love it. Love you're putting it into a different account where you're not going to go spend it on lifestyle things. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, great. Well, thank you again for sharing um, all these great ideas and your knowledge with our listeners. I know uh, there'll be a lot of things for them to pick up by listening to this. Um, if someone 
wanted to, you know, we talked about the the cash flow or the budgeting. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do we you want to share any tools that they might be able to request if they didn't want to just start with the blanks blank sheet of paper spreadsheet? Yeah, definitely. So we have uh, some tools that are available for download. Additionally, you could email info at myprivatevista.com and we're happy to get back to you with our tool that can help you track your net worth and your cash flow over time. Great. And if any of our listeners wanted to reach out to you individually, how can they do that? Yeah, my email is cmangan, that's M-A-N-G-A-N at myprivatevista.com. So you're welcome to email me. Wonderful. Great. And before we wrap up for the day, uh, as you know, I ask each of my guests the same question. Um, It's actually my favorite question of the podcast. Um, If time or money, like you weren't constrained at all from having to be in one place for a job or, you know, uh, family or anything like that, where would you live and why? So I have two answers to this question. Uh, The first is Nashville because my sisters live there and I love the food. I love spending time with them. Uh I love, you know, there's so much to do there and I just think it's really fun. I don't know if I would live there full time, but I would love to have like a condo in Nashville that I could pop down to on the weekends. Super fun. And then my second answer is London. I just love London. Uh, I studied abroad there and I've been there several times now and just love this city and think it would be great to spend my life there. That's awesome. That is great. Well, thank you for sharing that. Of course. And I do have to say, I would be remiss if I did not give a personal shout out to Will, Carrie's fiance. (laughs) He is our number one fan. So we have to acknowledge him. Thanks, Will. (laughs) Will loves listening to Nicole on our car rides. It's a common, commonplace uh, audio in our drives between our house and my mom's. Well, I appreciate the support. (laughs) Of course. This has been fantastic. Carrie, I, I, I had a chuckle when you, when you brought up the fact that you, you were making yourself aware of something, but not necessarily changing your behavior. Right. (laughs) That happens every time I walk into the bathroom because there's a scale there. I'm aware that the scale's (laughs) there, but I'm not going to step on it (laughs) because that might make me Right. I mean, I, that was the correlation that I drew. I, I love the info that you guys gave today. Nicole, this has been fantastic. Again, um, I love it when you bring on you know folks that you work with, because number one, there's such a good rapport there. And I know that you guys work together as a team. Um, if folks want to reach out and learn more about what you do overall, Nicole, why don't you give them your contact info as well? Sure. So uh, my contact info is N. Romito, R-O-M as in Mary, I-T as in Tom, O at myprivatevista.com. Or people can go to our website at myprivatevista.com. In the upper right-hand corner, they can uh, reach out through the Contact Us button. And uh, you can you know, just say if you'd like to be put in touch with me or Carrie or any of our advisors, we can get it routed to the appropriate person. Fantastic. And if, if anybody wants to know Carrie's husband's answer to where would you live and why, email in because we'll, we'll <laughs> find that out. I'll let you know. <laughs> Absolutely. I can get him as part of the show. That'd be great. 
both of you, this was fantastic. Great information. I know the listening audience learned a ton, as did I. So thank you for everything that you have done today. And of course, our last thank you goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Dollars and Cents podcast with Nicole Romito. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Nicole comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually helps others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Private Vista, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Dollars and Cents, Creating Your Fulfilled Life with Nicole Romito, sponsored by Private Vista. Visit our website at www.myprivatevista.com or give us a call at 312-831-4370. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Private Vista is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions, or results obtained from the use of this information. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, assume no liability for action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced. Such data and other information are subject to changes without notice. This was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.